Hello and welcome to Nerd Girl Musings Podcast. My name is Jen and I'm so glad you're here. I know it's been a little while. I have had some uh, technical difficulties that have prevented me from recording recently. And I've actually tried to record this episode three separate times. So hopefully third time, well, fourth time, I guess, is the charm. This uh, We'll see what happens here. So what's happening out in the world right now? Uh, people are losing their minds over Disney changing from their typical greeting of uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, when they're introducing things when you're at Disney World or Disneyland, and they're changing it to be more inclusive, and they're saying to dreamers of all ages, and people are absolutely losing their shit on this. Um, you know, Disney did not invent inclusivity. They're just trying to make sure everybody gets recognized. So if you have a problem with them switching from ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls to dreamers of all ages, perhaps you need to look in the mirror because I think you're the problem here. But anyway, I digress. In the continuing trend of they can't create anything new these days, so they're just rebooting and revamping everything that was already done right the first time. Um, Amazon is launching on October 15th an eight-part series of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yes, that's what I said. The movie from 1997 that did fairly well. It went, uh, what did they have? I Know What You Did Last Summer. I still know what you did last summer. And I thought there was a third one. But so we've already done this game in 1997, but they decided they want to redo it. And this time they're going to slap an eight part series on it. So that way, it you know, it's sort of all of them in one, I think. But um, I'm not interested in this. I thought the movie was really good and I liked it that way. So um, what I've seen so far for the for the new series just doesn't seem that interesting to me. So I guess we'll have to wait and see what the reviews are on that. And let's see, there is a show uh, launching on Hulu. And actually, it came out the other day, I think. Um, it's called Nine Perfect Strangers. I'm intrigued, but I still have no idea what the hell this thing is about. Um, I know that it's nine people and it's a drama. They're doing eight episodes, and it stars Nicole Kidman, Melissa McCarthy, and it's about some 10-day health spa retreat or something, and Nicole Kidman plays some creepy guru person. Uh, I think Melissa McCarthy is hilarious. When she did Mike and Molly, fantastic. Every movie she's had her hands on since has been trash. Um, I have not liked a single one of them and I've tried, I've tried watching some of them. They're just stupid. They kind of went the road of like Adam Sandler where you have to be a 10 year old boy, I think, to find her stuff funny now. But, um, I'm being a little harsh, I think, but, uh, anyway, she's a really talented comedian. I just don't know that she can pull off a drama. So I guess we'll have to see. And what else do we know? Um, Stranger Things has started filming again. They anticipate to be done done soon. Uh, but unfortunately, fans, we will not get to see it until next year. So 
I'm afraid that if they don't go right into filming again for uh, series five, that the kids are going to be in high school or college before this show kind of gets back on the road. So I feel like we're missing our window with this group and I'm not sure how, how they'll do, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. So let's get to the meat and potatoes here of the episode. I want to talk about the movie Philomena. Uh, This movie was a recommendation to me um, by a fellow adoptee. She said it changed her life, and that was intriguing to me, knowing this person. So um, I decided I might as well give it a shot and see what it's all about. And it stars stars, uh, Dame Judi Dench in it. So, I mean, really, how bad could it be, right? So um, she is phenomenal in everything she does. So I knew this was going to be a good movie. Uh, It just might be a little different from what I'm used to, but it it was actually what I needed. I did a back-to-back movie day with Philomena and... um, with uh, the other one that I I did my last episode on, uh, Lion. I don't recommend doing that. That was a lot on the heart in one day. So I recommend spacing these out if you're going to try to watch them as well. But Philomena is the story of a birth mother, or some of us have started referring to them as first families, um, family of origin, Uh, I'm starting to hear a lot of different terms in the adoption community and the adoptee community. And um, so I think it's kind of whatever either you're used to or how you're framing things in your own mind. Um, But Philomena comes to us having had a child who was uh, then placed for adoption. And so we don't know the whole story. We just know that she's missing her son and she has had this picture and she looks at it all the time and and finally breaks down and tells somebody about it. And then we go on this journey with her. So the story picks up with a, a political journalist that um, has kind of fallen from his position and he decides that now that he's not employed, he's going to go off and and write something on the side. He doesn't want to do human interest stories. That's not his, uh, that's not his cup of tea. He doesn't want anything to do with human interest stories. So you know he's going to get roped into this because it's a human interest story. And why would they introduce a character we're not going to go the story with? But, um, And so we find that he, he gets involved with this woman search for her son who was taken away from her decades ago after she became pregnant. And she went to go live in this convent um, home for unwed mothers kind of thing. Um, And the requirement is, as you go there, you have your baby, you're required to stay for four years as quote unquote payment for them taking care of you while she was ready to give birth. And as um, it kind of a reward for what you're doing here, we're going to give you an hour a day with your children. And so we've got all these unwed mothers. Um, we've got a nursery. We have a bunch of nuns that are working in there and taking care of these kids while the women are doing this backbreaking labor and washing and all of those kind of things. So we learned that for 50 years, Philomena kept this secret. Uh, this is not unusual in the adoption world. Uh, most of us were relinquished 
under this cloak of secrecy, some of us were um, hidden away from literally everyone. And it's, it's not until people start doing ancestry DNA or one of those other DNA tests that all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, surprise, we're, you know, we've got DNA matches in a different area. And then when we start investigating, we find these families that know nothing about us. And so it's not unusual to have, especially given the age. I think today there's a lot more open adoption, so it's probably not as common, but it is still prevalent, especially when you're talking about um, international adoptions. Uh, you know, there's there's so much secrecy. Um, there's when you talk closed adoptions like myself, you're not allowed to have information. So it was locked up tightly by this mother and. Um, in the beginning, she starts out, she's looking at this photo and she says that she's thought about her son every single day for 50 years. And she had this one photo, um, and near the end of the movie, we actually get to see where this photo comes from. And it was another, it was a nun that, um, snapped a photo of her son and gave it to her kind of as a, as a secret again, just to keep her, keep her going and letting her know that, hey, you know, he, you have something to look at. He is real. He's, he is yours. Um, so, it, you know, it was, it was very sweet in a way what this nun did. And you get the impression that this would be frowned upon and she would probably have gotten in trouble for doing so. Um, so the, the nursery play area is over in one end of this I don't know what, I I can't really call it a convent because they're not nuns, but this home and all the women are over in the other. And Philomena is able to look out a window and she can see the kids playing through another window across the way. And every now and then a car drives up, a kid goes in the car and off it goes and uh, never to be seen again. And what we learn is that it was quite often rich Americans that were coming to this uh, home in Ireland and selecting a child and taking it back to America. And Philomena and one of her friends, her friend is getting kind of panicky because her daughter is about the age that someone would come and take her and she's so terrified that she's going to be taken. And so one day Philomena is watching And you know what's going to happen. This vehicle, this really fancy car, drives in. And this uh, couple ended up taking Philomena's son and her friend's daughter. Uh, She wasn't allowed to say goodbye. She wasn't allowed to meet anybody. She was watching from the window, and you could just feel the heartbreak in her voice when she was crying for him and trying to run after them and trying to run to that car Um, and she couldn't get to him. And so, you know, long around the way, her, uh, Philomena's daughter, because now we're present day, her daughter, uh, wants to help her mom find this child that she has missed for 50 years. And she overhears the story of this journalist and says, Hey, would you help my mother? And he says, I don't do human interest stories, but it's intriguing to him and he's soon asking his wife and his boss, Hey, should I do this story? What do you think? 
Um, and of course, because it has a good angle, um, they encourage him to to take it. So he begins getting involved and in getting Philomena's story. And <laughs> so there's one part in here where he's running, literally out for a run next to a, a river or something. And he's he makes a phone call. Like, who does that? Most people I know that have their phones on them when they run, if a phone call comes in that they feel they must take, they stop. This guy's running with the phone. Anyway, it's the silliest part of the whole movie. But um, so he decides, okay, fine, I'll, I'll help you. And they go, Philomena and him, they go to uh, this home and they talk to the nuns and they say, you know, nope, we don't have any information. Everything was burned in a fire. Um, you know, so sorry. We just, we have nothing. And they were able to produce the paper that Philomena signed giving up her rights. So funny that everything was burnt in a fire except this one really important piece of information that shows you don't get anything. And I find this interesting that it was burned in a fire because if, you know, when I talked with my first mother once upon a time I had asked about any photos of me or anything that she might have of me from the nine months that she kept me and her excuse was no I, I don't have anything because it all burned in a fire so I don't know to this day if that story is true I have no idea um, part of me thinks that it's not true and then it's once again part of this secrecy cloak that nobody wants to acknowledge anything. They just sweep it under a rug like it doesn't exist. And I don't know if these nuns felt by giving Philomena this story that they would also be able to sweep it under the rug and, and she would just go away and say, oh, you know, I guess there's nothing more I can do. But when you have a good journalist who doesn't take no for an answer, he continued to dig. And so they, they find out that he was sent to America. And so they decide to take their journey abroad. And they come here to the States. And they start piecing together his life. And what they learn is that he... Um, was very prominent in the Republican Party. And because of his position, he had to keep his sexual orientation a secret. So he was in the closet. He had a friend that would pose as a girlfriend for him while he actually had a life partner uh, back home. And they, they learn that um, he had AIDS. And as his dying wish... He wanted to go back to Ireland. He wanted to find Philomena. And he went to the same home that Philomena was at. And the nuns told him they had no information. She gave him up, didn't want anything to do with him, and made him leave. So they told both of these people a similar story so that way they couldn't continue their search. And by telling him that his mother abandoned him and lying to him that way, 
they didn't have to go any further. They made the choice of whether or not these two individuals should ever have contact again. And, you know, the reporter even mentions it, that it's funny that you have no record of anything that happened to her son. You have no anything, no idea of anything that happened to her, yet they can produce that piece of paper that relinquished her rights. And, you know, it's overall, it's, it's a pretty sad story because you see how close they were to finding one another. And it was this home under the guise of this religion that kept these two apart. And it was probably the first time in my life I had a true, um, I'm going to say empathy in this case for Philomena or for a first mother. Um, I think as someone that's adopted, I get a little jaded when I think of, of different um, adoption stories and, and biological mothers. And so it, it allowed me to have empathy for a situation that I may know nothing about. And I understand that even in my own situation, I will probably never, ever understand the full truth. Um, and this was a true story. So... The end of the movie lets us know that um, the book is called The Lost Child of Philomena Lee, and it was published in 2009, and yes, it's on my reading list. Um, and what we also learn is that thousands more adopted Irish children and their shamed mothers are still trying to find each other. Uh, they talk about it in the movie, but really it comes down to money. Um, you know, in this case, case, rich Americans were able to afford the children and they paid handsomely for them. And unfortunately, this is what the private adoption agency world is. It's really all about money and greed, and it's not really about the best interest of the children. And it's interesting. I have, I have a cousin, for example, that is a foster parent and when you hear some of my relatives talk about them being foster parents, um, they don't talk about what they're doing to reunite these children with their families. It's all about this is a potential pathway for adoption, and that is not what foster care is about. Foster care is a temporary situation until you can reunify the families. And it's... I, I would have to say that my eyes have really been opened recently about some of the narrative that comes from a, in adoption about how these private agencies have so much money, about how much money people pay for a child. And, you know, when it comes down to it, I and you think about it, I was a commodity, honestly. Somebody paid a lot of money for me. And the sad part is that there are uh, money lists. There are there are things out there that you can see. If you want this type of child, it's this much money. If you want this type of child, it's this much money. And I even remember my parents telling me when I was younger um, that, oh, yes, it was really difficult to get an infant. Well, you know, it's like, how am I supposed to feel about that, truly? Like, what what do you expect me to say? A lot of adoptees grow up with the narrative of you have to be grateful and thankful for your adoption. And 
it's automatically assumed that because you were adopted, that was the best thing that could ever happen to you. And yes, I likely had um, advantages. I likely had opportunities I would not have had. But it was a life that was not supposed to be mine. And I'm still coming to terms with all of that and kind of how my feelings are around that. So I'm not going to go too much more into it today. But um, just some food for thought for you. That when you hear people say, oh, that was the best thing. You're so lucky. You're lucky that you were adopted. And I don't think I get that as much. I did when I was younger, but I don't get it nearly as much as some of my friends that were adopted from other countries where automatically we assume that this country could not have done what we here in America did for you. And I think the opportunities are different and the perspectives are different, but I think being with your own family, being in your own country, being surrounded by the people you are meant to be around is what's really the best for the child. But I could go on about this all day. And so at this point, I just want to wrap it up because I want to make sure that this works this time so I can post it. And I will try to not let it be quite so long next time. Um, I've got a new setup, so it'll allow me to be a little bit more portable so I can record at different times and it might uh, might allow me to have a few extra, maybe shorter podcasts here and there, more with um, kind of thoughts on the go and and things that are happening at at the time rather than just waiting so long. So anyway, make sure you hop over to Instagram. Uh, say hello. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review if you're feeling um, that I'm providing something worthwhile here. I love hearing from you guys. So please, if you have anything to share, shoot me a message on Instagram. Um, But take care and be well.